Episode 164 is called Lateral Thinking. Today I'm going to talk about well, thinking outside the box, being creative. Firstly, I just want to say that there are, broadly speaking, two types of thinking. So there's convergent thinking. Convergent thinking is when you're focused on concrete solutions. So you'll see a lot of convergent thinking in the education system where it's, it's fixated on right and wrong answers. So there's a place for that, but it's not the only sort of thinking. And as an adult in the real world, it becomes counterproductive if that's your pattern of thinking, because what that encourages is a right or wrong mindset, and it encourages defensive thinking. So you may notice when you're in conversation with people, you can easily slip into a mindset of right or wrong, where it becomes very defensive all of a sudden. It could be either around a belief or it could be around a methodology and approach to doing something, even in programming. It'd be methodologies and approaches to doing things that can become very entrenched and dogmatic if you're not aware of this convergent style of thinking. The other side of thinking, which I'm talking about today, is lateral thinking, divergent thinking. Lateral thinking is more of an exploration. So you're not assuming that you've got the right answer to begin with. You're looking at it from the point of view of, let's explore the world. Let's explore what the actual problems are here. What are the potential solutions? When I was doing a little bit of research into this this week, I came across a guy called Edward de Bono. My first time coming across him, he's actually the guy who came up with the term lateral thinking. So when I was looking into lateral thinking, I was familiar with it because I was familiar with the terms focused mode of thinking and diffuse mode of thinking. I see overlaps between divergent and convergent thinking. So Edward de Bono, an interesting guy. I watched a talk of his called How to Have a Beautiful Mind. And he talks about this lateral style of thinking. He even mentioned in one of the interviews I was watching was about humor. Humor shows us that, what did he say? He said, humor is like the most important thing we have going for ourselves as human beings, because I'll just give my interpretation when he said, no, yeah. I think it, it breaks the pattern. Humor is asymmetrical, I think was the word he used. And how he, how he explained that then he gave like a joke he gave a joke of a 90-year-old man died. He went, to, he went to hell and he meets another 90-year-old man in hell with a beautiful lady sitting on his lap. And he looked confused at the man. He was saying, I thought, I, I thought we're in hell. Are we not in hell? And the man says that, uh, yeah, we are in hell. It's her hell, uh, me being here. Something along those lines. It wasn't a great joke, to be honest. But the thing was, it was interrupting a pattern, interrupting a, a flow of thinking. That's probably not well explained by me there, but I'll just give my own experiences on this, how lateral thinking helps. He even mentioned actually in one talk, which I found relatable. He said, sometimes it's good to just put out ideas that may not necessarily make sense. And in doing so, I think he referred to it as like a self-organizing system. Just from my experience, I found that 
through talking things out, you may not necessarily have always the correct logic, which I, I feel is actually impossible, really, when you're talking about a very fluid reality that's ever changing. And even looking back in the past, groups of people, individuals have never been able to pin down the truth, pin down reality. So there's an acceptance of that. that that's part of the process here. And you'll see this, though, when you're focused on the convergent way of thinking, these right or wrong answers. There's a reluctance to put out stupid ideas or silly ideas or silly thoughts. And it can stop you from actually making progress. Because it's a process. What I found from here is it's a process. It's an exploration. So like, there's a general direction to what you're doing. The direction shifts in the long term. So for example, my podcast today is quite different to what it was three years ago. Three years ago, three and a half years ago when I started off, primarily interviews. Now I do a mix of interviews, conversations with people, and I do my own podcast. And when I started off, when I started off, I guess I kept my episodes a lot shorter and I didn't put in much research into them during the weeks. I'm gradually doing a little bit more research. Like for example, there, when I do, doing a talk about, they're just doing an episode about lateral thinking. I said, I'd look into it a bit more this week and came across Edward de Bono. He's got a book as well called uh, the power or it's, it's about, it's about the beautiful mind thing. And that was only because I had a conversation with a friend this week who's studying a, who's doing a psychology a psychotherapy and counseling course. And that was part of the curriculum. I just mentioned that I was looking into this this week. So I found this guy, Edward de Bono this week because I was talking about lateral thinking in the podcast this week. Then I also had a conversation with another friend and it just started talking about lateral thinking. And he, he said people in the past who were interested in lateral thinking, even took out a book while we were talking and we went through some lateral thinking problems. So that's all coming from a, a willingness to talk about lateral thinking, which I would have been, I wouldn't have known where to begin a few years back because I would have been absorbed in this convergent way of thinking of, of not speaking things out that don't always make sense. And so Edward Devona talks about that. So with lateral thinking anyway, the whole point of it you know, in my life for lateral thinking has been to bring a bit more exploration and play to what I'm doing and finding that balance then where you're actually making progress on things. Cause I find that if you don't get that balance or if you don't start to feel that balance out, you can go on either end of the spectrum. You can be very serious and everything has to be backed up by research. Every single thing you say has to be backed up by research. It has to be hundred percent factual. Are you going on the other end of the spectrum where you you're too playful? Uh, you're not making progress. You're just kind of going around in circles like a child. So I, I suppose it's balancing out that I suppose a bit of adult seriousness and try childlike playfulness is it's, it's finding that balance there um so lateral thinking anyway it just in a technical domain in foreign language both in foreign languages and in computer programming this helps you so lateral thinking will manifest it manifest itself in the questions you ask yourself so for example in foreign languages if you want to learn a language quicker than normal you have to think about what the problem you're solving is you can't just assume that you're 
I suppose the, the key difference between somebody who's a language hacker and somebody who just learns a language is in the questions they're asking, the assumptions they're making. This is what lateral thinking does for you. So you're questioning the problem to begin with. So if you're somebody who wants to speak French in a month, then you have to get concrete on what that means to you. So the more you get specific on it, then it's like, why do you want to be conversational in French in a month? What does that mean to you, conversational in French in a month? What specific topics do you talk about in your day-to-day life? Are you willing to talk only in the present tense, knowing that it isn't 100% correct? That's why that's twice my point here, what I'm, which I'm making about you have to put words to things, even if, they're, even if you know in your heart they're not fully correct right now. It's that forward momentum you're building. So I found that with when I was learning Spanish and Italian, I had to be comfortable expressing things in the present tense that I knew should have been expressed in the past or future. But then when you get a grounding in that, you move on to the future, past. It's a, it's a mastery process. You go on there. Same thing with programming. Programming is a very frustrating topic if you aren't asking yourself more intentional questions about what is the problem I'm solving here? Why am I so tunnel focused on this being the issue? I even had that recently this week. I thought that one part of the code it was definitely coming from because past experience had told me that. Then it turned out to be a different part of the code that was actually the issue. It wasn't too bad for me this week though because I didn't feel adamant that I was correct. I felt maybe 50% that I was correct, but I was also open to the fact that probably I'm not correct here. So that's again, that balance between you have to have a certain level of certainty also to focus in some direction, because if, if I was looking at the code, there's maybe three, four fundamental pieces to it. And if I didn't have a certainty based off of reading the error and my past experiences that this is the section I should look at, then you're wasting a lot of time with the, as a developer, because maybe 90% of the time I'm correcting my assumption based off of my past experiences and 10% of the time I'm incorrect. So you're making these, I suppose, judgments over time based off of more information, more experience, and a willingness to be wrong, being open to being wrong. Uh, there's a great quote from Elon Musk that uh, his mission in life, he comes from the premise that he's wrong. His mission in life is to be less wrong over time. And that will tie into just an understanding of our cognitive biases, self-awareness, just even looking back in the past over in history that I suppose the, in some way, I suppose the part, one of the main purposes of life as a species is to evolve. And with evolution comes new ways of looking at the world, new paradigm shifts. I suppose what helps me to understand is how much of the world is actually a mental experience. So paradigm shifts occur on both an individual and a collective level, just in the way we see things in our conditioning. Because when you really look around at the world, there's so much information coming in at us. There's so many places we could focus our attention. And that's being filtered by there's a selection bias in our brain there's so many cognitive biases let's talk about selection bias briefly here selection bias it's like a selective attention but it's a bias that you can have unconsciously so actually uh, selection bias here so 
the thing about lateral thinking is that you question both sides of the argument. So I'll just do this, take this for example, selection bias. So what's the positives to having a selection bias? I'll just list out, let's say a few positives having a selection bias. A positive having a selection bias is that it gives you a sense of orientation in the world. The more conscious you become of that selection bias, I think the more it leads to a life that you want to live. The more unconscious you are with that selection bias will lead you more in the path of a random life that you just feel like a victim to your life. So when you're unconscious of selection bias, it'll be things like you'll be more open to the environment around you controlling you. So you could be watching the news and not really knowing when you're triggered emotionally, not being aware of that. That's a simple example of that. That's, I suppose, the positive or the negative side of selection bias. When you're unaware of it, you're prone to being manipulated by your environment. But the more you become aware of the selection bias, positives to it is that there's so much information in the world, we have to have some way, or just, I suppose the neutrality of it is that the brain has to have some way to make sense of all this information coming at us to orient ourselves. Because otherwise, if there was no, if that wasn't there, that selection bias, you wouldn't know where to focus and you wouldn't be able to make much progress in your life, progress that's meaningful for you anyway. So the positive side to it there is that when you become more conscious of the selection bias, you can use it to your advantage. You can use it as a filtering system. Even when it comes to the people you interact with, getting clear on your own values helps you to understand people you're talking to, what sort of values are they living by. And it'll become more apparent to you over time in their decisions. Like somebody can fool you for a short time, but over the long term, they can't really fool you if you are focusing on getting clear on your values, you know what your values are. You'll see that in other, another person after a few years, you'll say it'll become more and more evident whether your values align or not. So that's a selection bias there. Lateral thinking, I think it just makes education fun. It's creative. Because it's an exploration mode, I found in school, there's nothing worse than not being in exploration mode, being in this rigid system that focuses on concrete answers that are useful for certain things. Like when you're in school, you're, you're learning, you're learning language, you're learning maths, you're learning geography, you're learning a bit of history. But there has to also be a realization that this isn't a full portrayal of real life. And this is just one way of thinking, this convergence style of thinking, this one way of thinking. There are elements of lateral thinking in school, but on the whole, I would say it's a convergent feeling of thinking that I came out of the system with anyway. I thought that lots, most of the stuff in the world had been figured out already. I wasn't going from a first principles approach to life. It wasn't much fun uh, because you, the idea of doing things impossible isn't even appealing to you because you associate impossible with this impossible drudgery rather than impossible associating it with freedom, exploration, connecting with like-minded people, understanding things about life you never thought you could understand before, having a better appreciation of the intangible, I think convergent thinking sets us up to focus on the tangible, over-focus on it to the extent that we feel captive to our environment or a victim to our circumstances. 
of course, there's a nuance to that. But when I'm talking about, I suppose, the victim to circumstances or captive to your environment, I'm talking more so in, in the mental, the mind realm, more so than anything. Um, yeah, I wouldn't... I wouldn't really have... Uh, well, I'm aiming not to have a naive approach of that when it comes to the mind. I only speak from my own experience. I think you'll probably get that from my own, from the podcast over the years. I only speak for myself. I don't assume that other people are wired the same as me. I'm just sharing my experience of life, my genuine experience of life, so other people can look at things in different ways. That's the way I would approach it anyway. The last thing I want to touch on here when it comes to lateral thinking is to link it with being a polymath. So this is lateral thinking, is a style of thinking that could open the doors to being a polymath. If that's the way you're naturally wired to be, it can open the doors to accept that in yourself. So lateral thinking, you'll see this evident even within fields in a more objective way. So computer programming, foreign languages, when I was in the education system, I never linked the two together. I saw foreign languages in the humanities department. I saw programming in the computer science field, in the science realm, in the STEM subjects. For me, in my mind, there was no link between them. That was until I met William, a friend of mine who was self-learning to code. And I had just come off the experience of self-learning Spanish and Italian. And I was open, I was in, I was receptive. I was in that mindset, in that mentality of being open to questioning my assumptions, questioning my beliefs. That's where it begins. And then through experience, learning to code, creating projects, I was going to test those beliefs and assumptions I had. As I started to enjoy the process, I liked the thinking process, the problem solving process. I find it difficult sometimes, but Ultimately, I find it fulfilling and enjoy, enjoyable because I feel a sense of progress from that. It then started to dawn on me that they talk about semantics and syntax in programming in the exact same way they talk about syntax and semantics in linguistics. So that's two things straight away that you see connected. So you'll start to, as, as you embrace your lateral thinking, seeing new connections in your own mind you'll start seeing the ones that are obvious, that are actually concrete, that you're not even making it up or seeing it in your own way. It opens up that realm. So that's vital as a polymath because you don't want, to, you, it's not sustainable to go into different fields and start from scratch, from zero the whole time. I realized that with French when I started learning Spanish and Italian. What I did with Spanish and Italian, I, a number of hacks I picked up. First of all, I looked at what are the hundred loan words from English to Spanish. So they're the words that are spelt or look pretty much the same in English as they do in Spanish. That was one hack. You could even do that with French and Spanish again, because they're within the Latin language family. So it's using knowledge in an in existing field you're already in and applying it to the next field to quicken, to shorten the learning curve, to help you to identify patterns within this new field to give you a solid foundation. And I suppose a vital thing I learned from language hacking is that there's core fundamentals that make up to 20% of the field that you need to pin down and work on and continuously improve on. I found that in languages, foreign languages. And then I apply that to coding that when I started getting into it, I started to look for people who would help me identify what are the core fundamentals here that I can work on instead of being bogged down with all the information there is. Uh, so just taking 
the big information as a long-term process, but focusing, keeping in mind on, on the, the fundamentals. It's easier said than done, but these mental models, these mental maps can really help you. So the next part of that, so that's just exploring between subjects in a pretty objective way. There's a little bit of, well, there's creativity for you to start seeing the connections. But like when you see syntax and semantics in linguistics and syntax and semantics in coding, it doesn't take a genius to connect the two together because they're the same. But what this opens up is another level of subjectivity where you can start connecting things together in your own way where you can start really being creative and exploring things, not having so much on it when you start to realize that it's in the playfulness and in the discovery and exploration process that you under you begin to understand at a deeper level your own subjective experience of reality. And you become more confident in that too, as you realize that I don't need people to validate my experience. There's objective skills I'm learning in the world where I can see a progression in the skill level. And there's also this subjective feeling experience of life that I can I can improve, like a book I'm reading at the moment, hopefully he'll be on the podcast soon, uh, Designing the Mind. I really enjoy this book actually, because he's using a lot of uh, programming terms. He talks about algorithms as your thought process in the mind. So that's something that, that, that makes sense to me. That there's algorithms, he talks about with cognitive biases, there's algorithms there, unconscious algorithms that you can become conscious of and rewrite and interrupt. Um, I've had experiences like that. So I like the language in the book. And I was just reading this morning in the second chapter, he was talking about the difference between the map and the territory. I came across this in the NLP. I did a short NLP course years back. And it was just distinguishing that the map is not the same as the territory. So reality, the real world is not the same as your perception of reality. But as an adult, as you become more aware of your cognitive biases, your assumptions, your beliefs, you can improve your map so that it maps better to reality. You'll never get a clear view on reality, but you can improve your map. And that was that was uh, the chapter I was reading on today. And so I think that ties to, I think lateral thinking helps you to improve your map, optimize it also for your own subjective experience of life. So I enjoy this experience of education. I enjoy talking about different things. I enjoy having conversations. I enjoy listening to people. I enjoy being creative. I like trying out different types of ideas. I like doing research, like me researching about lateral thinking this week, that isn't a job, a chore for me. That's something that I'm just inquisitive about that I enjoy learning about. There's other things that I do find laborious, but this isn't one of them. So, and I wouldn't understand that about myself only for being willing to think laterally rather than convergent. Because again, I think convergent thinking also primes you to seek validation from other people, because how would you know something's right without being in relation to somebody else, uh, somebody else confirming that it's right for now. As you look back in history, the things are only ever for right for now, for the current reality, for the current paradigm until something changes again. Uh, so that's they're my main thoughts today. That's lateral thinking. They're my thoughts on lateral thinking. Just wanted to share that today. Check out Edward De Bono. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to his video about how to have a beautiful mind. I'll give his book a read at some stage as well. He's an interesting guy. I liked I liked listening to him now this week when I was watching him on YouTube. That's it pretty much. Again, if you want to support the podcast, you can go over to happymindset.com. There's some options to support the podcast. You can also join us in a monthly Zoom call.
where we're just talking about things of interest to people who listen to this podcast, help you explore your creativity, your critical thinking. Uh, yeah, just create a life that you want to live pretty much. And that's it. Yeah, if you want to actually, one last thing, if you want to leave a rating and a review, it really helps the podcast to grow, find more people. And that's it. So thanks again for listening and I'll speak to you on the next episode.